Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. I'm your host for this season, Greg, and the given year, ladies and gentlemen, is 1973. 50 years, which shouldn't be hard thanks to our Supreme Court. That's right. <laughs> We're going back to the groovy early 70s, everybody. Joining me on this quest are two of my best buds competing over the course of the season, but not competing tonight to be number one best bud. First, it's the host from last season who did such an amazing job and honestly grudgingly gave up the microphone. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, my finger's healed. You know, it's my fault you had a sprain two and break three. It was unfair <laughs> of me to try to cling to the microphone so tightly. <laughs> you know what? That's just how it has to be, man. If you're not going to let it go, we're going to have to use a little bit of force. Uh, how does it? Does it feel like a step down for you? You're now you're you're just a a, a dirty panelist again. You know, it it felt like a step down. I had to take a, a month long sabbatical, and I'm back, and I've realized how much easier my life is about to be, and the level of bullshit that you have to go through. And I just, you know, I, I love you dearly, <laughs> and uh, it's nice seeing you with hair. If you're anything like me, you're about to lose a lot of it. <laughs> Ryan, you're going to be our other panelist uh, over the course of, of this adventure. You were my competitor last season. Now you're competing for my heart. You're competing for my mind. Um, and frankly, you're competing for my soul. How do you feel about that? Going My going from your competitor now to sort of like the person you worship. It's it's a lot of power to give you. Um, far too much of you, and, ask uh, let's me. Fight, let's, if I can interrupt, I'm unworthy of it, correct? And of course you can interrupt, Greg. Uh, you're going to be doing it all season. There's nothing I can say. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, I could lose points. I think that my goal, what I'm going to try to do is, because Mike, uh, my esteemed co-panelist, um, not the brightest bulb in the box. So what I'm going to do is no. I'm, I'm going to run up a Who, healthy. <laughs> I'm going to run up a healthy lead in the beginning of each show, be up by like 10, yes. 12 points, and then uh, just pun constant puns, make uh-huh. it even again, and then build up another lead. And that's just going to keep the shows exciting. Now. The three of us are sort of like the characters on this show. Well, obviously. that and New York City. And, of course, New York City. But it's if our there fourth were Beatle. a fifth character on the show, I believe for this season it would be 1973. Now, let me ask you, gentlemen, why do 1973? Uh, it's the year that time forgot. We we talk about the train going at the screen, some yes. uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, mm-hmm. and then we just start talking about movies like Terminator Two on. So <laughs> or, it's nice to talk about this era. Yeah, it's uh, Train, Chaplin, Godfather in seventy two, Godfather two in seventy four, mm-hmm. uh, Jurassic Park, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Now, Ryan, because of a book that I am reading, because you told me to read it. I feel like there are two eras of Hollywood. There is the early era of Hollywood, and then there is the like new Hollywood era. Where is this situated? I, I think this is kind of. I mean, this is not. It's right in the middle, and things are going well for everyone. I think. Um, nice. <laughs> the studio is still. Um, there are studio releases that are artistic, and they're making money. The directors haven't totally fucked themselves. 
um, and like by blowing up the budgets and blowing up the schedules and then not really having a great movie. Um, Michael Cimino hasn't come and made uh, Heaven's Gate and basically lost it for everybody. So we're still there. We're still, um, you know, we're just past The Godfather. Um, and Just before Godfather 2. I as, knew that. As we discussed earlier. Uh, so we, there's still a lot of heavy hitters to go. I think this is more of a ramp up into all of the greatness that's about to come with the mid-70s. And when yeah, I say mid-70s, I, I mean 74 through 76, not like the weak, lame, half-assed 70s. I hope that's clear. One thing we talk about on the show a lot, Mike, is we talk about the fact that decades don't really behave according to their number, that mm-hmm. um, they often slide into one another. But we usually put that cutoff right around this time. So would you say 73 is the end of the 60s or the beginning of the 70s? I, th- I think at this point we're beginning of the 70s. Uh, the Summer of Love is so forgotten. We're four years away from that. Uh, I think a couple guys got shot already. I think we're in the 70s, and I think the movies will show that. I agree with I I think I agree with that. If you watch one of these movies from 73, your your the whole gestalt of it screams to you 70s, right? It does not the 60s don't like pop off the screen to you. And I think then when you get deeper beneath that, um like thematically and the elements that the the movies are dealing with, I think really like you see the shift into the 70s in these movies. And so I I, I think that's accurate. I also think uh, that like the si- there's a classiness to the, even like the '60s independent movies. Like we we should like pretend like we're real films, like we're studio mm. films. That is almost completely going away at this point. Yes. Um, the se- seventy yeah, and describe what get that down looks in the like, mud Ryan. with us. <laughs> seventy three is the start of so many popular genre, like genre genre, like capital G genre films um, and genres in general that. And there's no rules here. They do not care. Like, if they, there's this story structure that the Hollywood studios say you have to have, but instead we'd rather fit in more karate. They're just going to fit in more karate. Hell and yeah. <laughs> I think that's what we have the start of here. The, be- the beginning of the just fit in more karate era. Right. <laughs> um, does 50 years seem like a long time ago to you, Mike? Dude, that's an insane number. <laughs> yes, it when feels you, so when old. So th- these will all be in black and white, and just <laughs> cue cards will come up to say what people described. Yes, one of the movies is Paper Moon, and when I was a kid, uh, I did not realize that that was like black and white because it was hearkening back to <laughs> a time when movies had to be black and white. I was just like, yeah, old ass movie. Um, <laughs> this is what they they had to do. How about to you, Ryan? Does Fifty Years seem like a long time ago? Uh it did. When I was younger, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> now I'll meet a fifty-year-old dude and I'll be like, "Well, hello, young chap. Uh, how are you? You are in the prime of your life." Um, yeah. And <laughs> when I, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, like nineteen seventy-three might as well have been, like you were saying about, it might as well have been the thirties. And now, uh, just a decade before or so before we were born is not that big of a deal at all. Like a decade ago was. Four weeks ago. So how yeah. you know how long could it actually have been? Um, I mean, is this the middle point of movies? You know, like between the start of the studio system and now, 73 is kind of the middle point and just shows you how like movies haven't really been around for that long in their like right. current form. And now we're watching them go away. So there, there you go, movies. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
I also, I, I think I have the same arc you did, Ryan, where if you had posed that question to me, hey, was 50 years a long time ago? I would be like, off the top of my head, I should be like, yes. And then if they were like, was 1973 a long time ago? I think I would have been like, not really. And then watching the movies, I'm like, this feels like yesterday mm-hmm. to me because it feels like the world that made the world of my childhood. And so like all the references were decade old references when I heard them or like 15 years old references by the time I heard them. But like, I grew up with people saying Soylent Green, you know, I grew up with references to these movies. And then when I see the actors, I'm like, how can this be 50 years ago? How could it be these people 50 years ago? Like I, they look, I don't know. They look kind of a similar age. Are these people from 50 years ago, Greg, are they the people that are Soylent Green? <laughs> some of them eventually, probably, right? <laughs> some to, of them eventually do become Soylent Green. To your earlier point, Greg, like I don't know if this is a specifically incredible time, 2023, to be watching 73, or if no matter when you watch movies from the past, it'll feel like they're speaking to you now. But we, since 73, our society has gone up and been okay, yes. and then gone down <laughs> to actually like pre-1973 levels. And that's something that I have no idea, no clue at this point in my life what movies we're going to cover in this season. And yet I know for a fact we will be talking about that for the next four months straight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are unusual resonances, too. Like, we picked 73 because it was a, a nice round number, right? And because we have liked when we've dipped back into the past. And we did 75. 75 is our, our the season that we did that was the most in the past. Um, and it was we were a little bit unmoored in that season as well because we weren't alive at the time it wasn't quite the same thing but when we did it we loved it and we loved the movies and so it was like let's push back and then also it was exciting because 50 years is a nice round number and then there's some weirdness right we just did 2002 we spent the whole time talking about 9-11 uh, 1973 is the opening of what famous building ryan uh not the two towers because <laughs> those were those were like the 1700s it's the twin towers and Ryan, you might want to look this up, but there's like seven seven buildings on that thing. So, um, <laughs> what is the deal with the seven buildings? <laughs> uh, and then also, Mike, uh, 1973 was a landmark Supreme Court decision. And do you remember what that la- landmark Supreme Court decision was? Is it the one that got struck down last summer? They couldn't even it wait is. to do a, a smooth fifty. Yeah, that was Roe <laughs> v. Wade, wasn't it? They're like, if we let it get to 50 years, that's going to be too much That's like really locked in, right? So let's (laughs) cut it off at 49. Um, And and there are then also just a lot of thematic um, resonances as well, Ryan. I I think as you pointed out, you know, things got so much better between the 70s and like 2002. And then things got kind of so much worse between 2002 and, and 2023. That's like we're kind of home again. I feel like the... The temperature of the populace in 73 is similar to the temperature of the populace in 2023, which is it feels violent and it's about to like boil over at any moment. Uh, about to fucking pop. Probably in the midst pop. of a like, historic heat wave. Right, exactly. Uh, every season should have that 120 degree movie. Uh, probably yes. on New York and you can, you can smell it. But any city, just as long as it's 120 degrees. But yeah, everything's about to pop. I also think that... Sometimes it's not. It's less important to think about what happened in 1973 as it is to have to think about what happened two, three, four, five years before the year we're doing because that's right. the turnaround time for movies. And so there's a lot of 
women's rights and black civil rights and like uh, all of the stuff that's like just popping up now or just popping up five years ago that is finally going to be talked about in these movies. What's interesting is that the the movie comes out in 73, right? Which means it was probably released like um, sometime in 73. It was made in like 72 or 71. Uh, and if it's ma- if it's based on a book, then it's based on a book that was written in like 1968 or 1969. So there's there is a way in which the the conceit of it being the year of the particular movie is tough because it's kind of like the movies reach backwards, right? And some of them mm. have been like worked on for 10, 15, 20 years or something like that. Um, and so all it can do is portray the the pop culture that is created by movies of that year. And so that's what we'll focus on. Uh, with 73 when we picked the year uh and we we intended to have a year that was one of cinema's best uh and that's why we went into the 70s because we felt like that was a good place to find that uh and then we did the research we've been we've been watching the movies we've been talking about 73 ultimately do we feel like we did land on one of hollywood's brightest years or did we just find a nice round number in 50. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I'm going to answer that question now and then also at the end of the season. Uh, now I will That's just... a good idea. That makes sense. I will just say no. Um, I, I think that if you took the conventional wisdom of what the greatest movies are, um, which would typically be like AFI or something like that, um, and did a top 100 movies of the 70s, this year might have fewer than on that list yeah. than any other year. But looking at the craziness of this year uh, and all of the different options i would say that my guess is there's going to be about a solid 25 or 30 that deserve its own episode and watching those some of those are going to get cut obviously so watching the 16 that we're going to do for the season um under the guise of this podcast we're going to be like no they're wrong this deserves to be in the top 100 for sure that's almost a guarantee and that's that's every year, right? Like, I would not have thought 2002 was a great year for movies, and then we did it. And you know what? It was an okay year for movies. <laughs> Ryan, you have a poster in your house that shows a, a like a movie marquee, and on that marquee, I believe it says, every year is a good year for movies. Yeah, I say that a lot to people. I say it often. I say it a lot at this time of year, because we're yes, at the halfway yeah. point, and people say, this is the worst year of movies in history. Every year this happens. Um, yeah, these are people who don't watch movies. They don't think about movies. They don't care about movies. And they're only like when people say this is the worst year in movies. It's like, okay, what have you seen? Right. Like, honestly, well, like, are you planning on seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer, and those are the only movies you care about, or like, are you actually doing the work of like finding the the art that is coming out? Because when you do that, almost every year, right beneath the surface, has hundreds of very powerful. You know, not perfect, but good movies. To be fair to those people, Greg, uh, they did see the trailer for the Anna de Armas and Chris Evans rom-com action Ghosted? Movie. Was that Ghosted? Ghosted. So <laughs> that's what they're going off of, I think. They've never heard of the film Past Lives, which seems like is clearly the best movie of the year so far. But they did see the trailer for Ghosted. Before we introduce the three movies that we are adding to the bracket, I just want to uh, do my favorite thing, which is show a little leg, which is why I'm wearing these short shorts, Mm -hmm. and Mm. just talk about, you know, when we do like a a, a year like 91, Ryan and I like foam with the mouth the entire year talking about how we've like seen all the movies, we saw them as kids, we were excited by them. Um, It's a little bit different when you do a season like 1973, where even the oldies on the show were like... (laughs) not even a glimmer in the eye at that point how much 
how familiar are you with the movies of 73 and how much if any uh research research did you guys do mike i've heard of some of these movies yeah and i will continue to have heard of some of these movies greg <laughs> i decided uh like we we every every good uh team needs different flavors yes yeah. and two of you decided to do a lot of work and i was like you know what i'll jump on that grenade <laughs> I won't watch a fucking second of 73 movies until this starts. To like <laughs> to be honest, Mike usually takes that role. He calls dibs on it first and yeah. then lets us do the work. This time he let us do the work and then called dibs on the not yeah. doing anything. So that's Definitely cool like so. little mix up. Ryan, how about you? And, and and uh like you're the movie you're the po- you're the podcast uh movie guy. So I used to were be. Were you were you conversant in 73 before you started even getting ready for the season? Sure. I mean, I, basically, the thing that you said about 91 all the way up to, like, 2002, I think if 2002 we did a 360-movie bracket to start, we would have <laughs> he- honestly heard of, of most of those, if not all of those movies. That's just the way it works, right? Like, that was our peak. We reshelved a lot of those movies, Ryan. <laughs> uh, going back this far, it's hard for me to remember the 75 season, but this is two years even further than that, I think that our higher-seated movies are going to seem familiar. Our lower-seated movies are going to seem less so. And I just, I'll say this to the audience right now, I, this is, the further we get from our peak years, it, the more chalk it's going to go. Yeah. Right. You know, I just think that's kind of a, a fact of nature. Like, we weren't around. So, like, the, when it's our peak years, when you're going to the movie theater every, or you're watching everything as soon as it comes out on streaming or on DVD or whatever era you live in, um, that's a very special time in your life. And you hear of movies that no one will hear of again. And so because yeah. 73 is so far before us, there's going to be a lot of, I, what the fuck is this movie? And we're just going to have to shine it on. And listeners, if it's your favorite movie, we're sorry. But yeah. we that's what also, we have to do. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. We, at this point, the movies that remain from 50 years ago... It's not just the biggest movies from 50 years ago. It's the ones that became important because of directors paying homage to them later. Specifically, nearly patron say to this show, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> like His taste in movies helped to form a bunch of this list, right? right. I'm, I mean, not just this year, more, almost probably more than any other year. Yeah. Because this is when all those genres come up. All of the disgusting 70s noir, the black exploitation the uh kung fu movies like this is all this is his time the suffix exploitation got attached to so many different types of movies i found out while doing what is a modest amount of research for me for this season uh, i had like seen so few of these movies i didn't know them by name some of them i knew maybe by the by the what the poster looked like so i dipped in and i watched a bunch as many of the movies as i could and i came away with it the way i feel when I do any research on anything, which is I, now I understand a little bit of the scope of my ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like I can understand exactly how stupid I am, uh, which is only the only level of education I really get to, but um, we're going to try to just hack through it because what I, what I saw from the movies of 73 really excited me um, as good movies, as entertainment, as interesting, as cultural artifacts, but then also as just the genesis of, of conversations between the three of us. And so I think that the 73 season is going to be a really interesting season, um, even if it's not, <laughs> even if we're not as familiar with it as we could be, and even if it's not the, the single greatest year in movies. Well, can, um, can I ask Ryan, you a question wanna, real quick? Sorry. Yeah, go over it, man. Uh, for both of you, all those genres that we just listed, right? And we know how important it is for 73. Um, 
when we're voting, and it's democracy, so like you know, one vote means the world. Is it important to you to like say I I want to make sure I get a black exploitation, make sure I get a slasher, make sure I get a kung fu movie because that's how seventy three rolls? Is that in your head at all when we're voting? A little. I I do think it would if some of those big ones if we ignore them were chopping off a huge segment of that year but i mean if there's two great if there's two like terrence malick level movies and so we can't get a slasher it's like well yeah that's uh, when we we go from 64 to 32 i keep that sort of stuff in mind but when it comes down to Mm. what's going to be what's actually going to get an episode what's actually going to be in the bracket i feel like it's harder for that although i will make one exception to that ryan as the guy who like as kind of the movie guru out of the three of us i always want there to be at least like two positions where you're like you put your thumb on the scale a little bit and then you're like this foreign movie that you have never heard of that you don't know anything about please just kind of go with me on this one and you won't be disappointed and i have to do those blind i just mm-hmm. ha- like, yeah you know and so but you know my you know what mike and i like you know what the taste level of the show is and so that is something that i i willfully do that but that but beyond that it's just in the moment when it comes down to choosing what's a bracket movie and what's not I just go with what I think is going to be, honestly, the better show, right? That's what I think ultimately comes down to. What I want to talk about for an hour and a half. What I want to spend, you know, three hours watching that that week. What I want to do the work for because I think it's going to make a good product, which is our show. And So that's really what, what it comes down to. Um, speaking of our taste and our choices, we do get to select three movies uh, that we try to put into the bracket uh they generally it's hard for them to make it um but sometimes i think i think one or two has snuck through eventually ryan what movie are you adding to the bracket well uh before i I get into it let me explain sort of i worked closely with the board in order to get the bracket and i will tell you that it was fucking impossible this year yes because (laughs) box office mojo uh doesn't go back to 73 um it's it's a time before like when people started paying attention to things like release dates and box office numbers as closely as they do now. Uh, so this is to I'm talking to you two and I'm talking to our listeners. I we work so hard to make sure that every movie that's here, based off Letterbox's popularity, um, was released in the United States in 1973. So some of these things you're going to see listed as 72. Some yeah. some very famous movies uh, that that are known for being in seventy three. Uh, best example is Badlands. Is yep. is not it, it was released in the United States in not in festivals in actual public movie theaters in seventy four. Uh, so I went by the IMDb release dates. I went by I used Wikipedia and I also used a website called um, ATOGT and the Oscar goes to which. Um, mm-hmm has the the every movie that's eligible for an Oscar from any given year. And so we cross-referenced all three of those websites to come up with what these top 61 movies are, plus our three editions. Um, I just I want to get that out there. I, I guarantee you mistakes were made. I guarantee you that there's there was stuff left off. But this was crazy to if do. If you think it's a mistake, though, if you think it's a mistake, it might just be because... You haven't done all the work to figure it out, though. So, like, it, I think Badlands, Ryan, is the one that people are going to, like, say to us if, if, if they bring up any with us. But we did the research. We figured it out. We are internally consistent. Badlands does not count as a 73 movie based on our 
understanding of it. So we're not going to talk about that one. Now, something that was being eligible for the Oscars is like an automatic get in. Um, but something that was not eligible for Oscars, don't know why. Uh, something that was not on Letterboxd and is hard to find on IMD was the 10th highest grossing film of 1973. Why would that be, Which gentlemen? Um, what would make it ineligible for Oscars? Does it depict it's sex crimes? Cartoon? The film Does is called The Devil in that? Miss Jones. And it oh, is it's the, a porno! It's a porno movie. We totally didn't talk about that. This is like a time where like pornos opened up and were like legitimate, like would have openings and like celebrities would go to them and it was like a legitimate thing. I think you could see in the background, What? when did the Manson murders happen? 69. Okay, so you can see in the background of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the big premiere that's happening there is for a porn movie. Um, so The Devil and Miss Jones is uh, basically not the first or not the biggest, but the one that like I, I think had the biggest uh, box office. I think it made like $40 million in theaters. Tenth uh, oh. biggest movie. Um, it is a odd movie i've only read about it i've not seen it i don't watch that kind of thing you guys know that oh my gosh yeah um but it is about a woman who uh has to is has to decide between heaven and hell and but before she decides she gets to pick a sin to be and she chooses lust and uh fucks her way around town um i still don't know even though this is definitely my pick i still don't know if this is a good show or a good idea <laughs> like if this would make a good episode but i do think that we shouldn't do this bracket without one porno i totally agree i mean and we'll see if it makes it we'll see if it if it becomes a show but it it was a big part of the time and it was like okay here we go cultural shift and it didn't last um part of what i think we're going to talk about in in 73 is how the gains of the sexual revolution kind of all went the wrong way and we took all the wrong messages out of the sexual revolution and instead of making things better in the way that the sexual revolution promised us we like just kind of amped up how bad all the bad stuff was uh but this was a time where it was like yeah we're, we're cool now we're uh, cool enough as a nation to like all go with our co-workers to the opening of a porno that's the thing it's not Wee herman in a overcoat in a trench coat no. going to the theater this is like dates these are a bunch of couples in a very on a very mainstream date going to a mainstream event a porno yeah, totally. Like, I mean, I, I heard Barbara Walter saying that, like, she and Ted Koppel, like, not on a date, just, like, as co-workers, went to go see The Devil and Miss Jones. And, like, that must have been the worst time. I have to say, everybody, I think, exp- like, going to see the movie, like, as a, a regular movie, I bet they were all like, this was a mistake. We shouldn't have done this. This is awful. I don't want to be in this room while this is happening on the screen. I'm going to try to bring that back with my co-workers. <laughs> no, so that's Barbara, your choice, Ryan, the I de- gotta say, I The Devil don't and like Miss Jones. Yeah, Devil and Miss Jones. I love it. Also plays off the exorcist angle very well. And I like when the movies are sort of talking about the same thing in, in different ways. I, I hope it does it. Um, but in the same way that I imagine those people sitting in the theater being like, I now understand that this was a bad idea. I bet <laughs> when we started doing the show, we'd be like, yeah, I see why this was a bad choice. Uh, listeners, uh, wait for this in a couple months where we say at the end of uh, an episode next week, uh, Devil and Miss Jones, and then the week the show comes out, it's a totally different movie because we just called yeah. an audible halfway through the week. <laughs> it got lost, I guess. <laughs> uh, there are some things that I have heard happened in that happened in pornos that I could not imagine just like sitting in a row full of people while it happens on the screen. Like there's just no there's just no way, America. I just want to do um, a show and give it some awards, like cringiest moment. Like <laughs> Dude, yeah, cringiest. 
Um, Mike, what movie are you throwing into our bracket? I looked at the list, and one jumped out at me immediately, and I never looked back. Uh, Scream, Blackula, Scream is the 1973 sequel to Blackula, the 1972 black exploitation movie. Uh, once again, starring William Marshall, who, if you were a big Pee Wee's Playhouse guy, he showed up as the uh, king of cartoons. He was on Star Trek. Uh, it's a guy you'll recognize. Uh, it also will recognize some other actors because the uh, Richard Lawson was on the team of like Poltergeist Hunters and Poltergeist, yep. uh, and we enjoyed him there. And uh, specifically up this show's alley, it is starring Pam Greer, and she is supposedly a bright spot in the movie, well, which is not shocking at all because she's amazing. So uh, best title of any movie ever, check. Uh, Pam Greer, check, and horror black exploitation i'm in i would legit legit like uh establish a rule right now where we have to do this checklist and if pam greer isn't in the movie we have to move it down in our thoughts like it's it, it, there's less <laughs> of a chance of it making it uh craig is there um uh like what do you call it are we missing commas or periods or exclamation marks from this title uh scream black yellow scream yeah i think it should have commas and it doesn't right it just it just writes out the three words yeah scream blackula scream <laughs> uh it, it would feel i know you asked us this ryan and we kind of said no it would feel weird if we got to 16 movies and and none that came from the genre that of all of, of the various black exploitation genres just because that was like such a thing that was going on but and um, horror we, and allegedly this would knock out two yeah, uh, but also there's uh, an experimental, very weird movie that I just watched called Ganja and Hess mm-hmm. uh, that would check off a lot of these boxes and, and then it's just so weird and trippy. But that is not my movie <laughs> because that might be actually on the bracket. My movie is a movie that like the more you say things about, the weirder it sounds. Uh, but then when you watch it, it seems kind of normal, which is Day of the Dolphin, um, which is a movie about uh, a scientist who studies dolphins. Um, and the dolphins get very smart and I feel, and it's directed by Mike Nichols. And I feel like you should just tell those things to somebody and then you should let the movie play out. (laughs) But it's hard to get somebody to watch the movie if you only tell them one or two things about it, but you keep promising that it's good. So I will tell you listeners, spoiler alert, jump ahead if you don't want to know the things that everybody knows about this movie, which is the talking the dolphins begin to talk <laughs> uh and then one of them gets kidnapped by uh shadowy government operatives because they want to have it kill the president uh and you would think okay is this like a farce it is not a farce uh it is a a a, a, a like a very heartful loving depiction of uh dolphins and how important they are and then also a stark depiction of how the military industrial complex has absolutely put its roots into every single part of american life such that if it sounds to you like why are talking dolphins even part of this assassinating the president thing yeah that's part of the point of the movie like why is it that every single (laughs) sector of america is some part of the military really why has that seeped into every part of our science and 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 every part of our entertainment um i mean why is it omnipresent i can think of a conversation we can have right now uh, in that future show which is uh when there's too many school shootings we have no other option but to arm teachers and make sure that they know how to shoot as well <laughs> uh it, greg is a 73 genre the day of the uh a- blank animal and do we need representation from one of those movies yeah right because we have day of the dolphin or day of the jackal and i want to see those jackals uh, fight those dolphins 
<laughs> Ooh, that is the sequel. This Sunday it's on the Gridiron. It's all about where they stage the battle. Right. right? <laughs> That's a good point. Jackals <laughs> yeah. suck in the deep ocean. Well, the dolphins suck on land. <laughs> that is the 73 season. That is our reasons for doing it, and those are the movies that we hope to add to the bracket. But what movies are going to be in the bracket? Well, looks like you're going to have to stay tuned after this commercial break. Let's get to it. That feeling of trepidation, that feeling of excitement, it has to be the opening to our 73 bracket. In our first matchup, we have number one seed, in many ways, reason for the season, The Exorcist. Mike, you know about this movie? I fucking love this movie. They did a re-release. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. Me and a friend saw it. And it was terrifying. Was everybody in your theater laughing? Asleep. Nobody was laughing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid of this movie. Uh, I watched um, like 25 movies to get ready for this, and I did not watch our consensus number one seed, The Exorcist, because I'm going to watch this movie over the course of one week. I imagine I will watch it twice, but it gives me the scaries. Ryan, it is going up against our number 64 seed, Brother Son. Sister Moon, what can you tell us about this movie? Uh, this is a Franco Zeffirelli movie. Um, that's the guy who did the Romeo and Juliet that most of us watched in oh my gosh. high school. Oh. The high school Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. I loved that. What a great score. The one where Olivia Hussey was forced to show her boobs. and Even though she's like 16. Even right? though she was 16, which is true to Shakespeare, I believe, is how Franco put it. Uh, and this is about the uh, St. Assisi. And no one remembers or likes this movie. Uh, and it's up against The Exorcist, which really is like that AFI top 100 of the 70s that we were talking about earlier. The Exorcist is on that list. So, Well, nice that The Exorcist could win this round against yet another religious figure. All right, Exorcist, moving on. Thanks a lot, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Our next matchup, the number 32 seed... And Ryan's pick, The Devil in Miss Jones. Mike, we've heard Ryan talk about The Devil in Miss Jones. What do you know about The Devil in Miss Jones? Uh, I cannot think of a movie I'd rather watch holding both of your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Best the popcorn, friends. Mike? <laughs> oh, just, you know where the popcorn is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's moving a lot over there. Um, and it is going up against... Our number 33 seed, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Ryan, I just watched this movie. Have you ever seen it? I have. This is a uh, ton of horse shit, Greg. I know that we have a reputation of being unlucky with our picks. Uh, I would have loved to see uh, The Devil and Miss Jones get to the second or maybe yes. third round. But yes. uh, this is a this is a Peckinpah Dylan classic. Man, um, very interesting movie. Bob Dylan did the entire soundtrack uh a very folksy telling of this story um and a very 73 configuration of these two guys do we see any world in which one of america's premier outlaw stories loses to some dirty rotten porno (laughs) number 10 in the box office that year i think we would be doing 1973 and our listeners a disservice if we do not move the devil in the porno movie on (laughs) I think we would be doing our, our listeners a disservice if we did a show about a porno movie. So me and Mike are coming from different angles here. As we do in every Eiffel Tower we perform. 
<laughs> so, Mike, does that mean you are voting for The Devil and Miss Jones? Yes, yes, I am. Ryan, how about you? It's your movie. Are you are you voting for it to move on? Uh, unfortunately, Greg, I'm voting for PGA BTK. I really have to say, I mean, it, it's got a tough draw in the next round, but it was such an entertaining movie. It would give us a lot to talk about. Um, it, it would make a very interesting pairing with the movie from my childhood, Young Guns, <laughs> which I thought about the entire <laughs> time I watched this movie because it's a at, completely different angle. At any point, does somebody go, she, she's my flower? <laughs> Is it true that in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, you can be any geek off the street? <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest difference between the two. <laughs> The, the the main difference is in Young Guns, Billy the Kid is a sociopath with psychopathic tendencies. In this, he's like a folk hero who loves the little guy, basically like a, a Robin Hood figure who, yeah, gets a little trigger happy sometimes. Uh, but uh, the Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid will be moving on, and hopefully we'll get to talk about that Cowards. in the next round. Uh, our number 16 seed, Mike is a movie starring a character named James Bond, and it is called Live and Let Die. What do you know? What is your impression of Live and Let Die, Mike? Uh, this is Sean Connery's gone, so this means it's the second guy, which is more. Or I say less, if you're a Connery fan. <laughs> yeah, this is Robert Moore, right? Roger. And Roger, Roger Moore, Moore, and I do believe this is the James Bond franchise attempted a black exploitation movie. Yeah, uh, it's like it they looked around. Nolans. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all I know. I'm tapped out. Yeah, uh, when actually no, that that that's a fair bit. Uh, Wings did the the soundtrack, the only good Wings song, "Live and Let Die," and honestly, oh. one of the better Beatles or one of the better um, <laughs> uh, Bond songs, actually. Uh, a mess of a movie, an absolute mess of a movie that is bordering on racism constantly and apparently took a lot of effort by the black cast members to keep it from just being like abysmally racist throughout. Uh, campy. I think it misses the mark in just about every way as a Bond movie. People are trying to have it enjoy a resurgence. Uh, I would like to give it a show just to throw a big bucket of water on that. Hey, uh, world, not every movie needs a resurgence. Let's no. Let's calm it's, down here. Oh, people didn't like that one? Bet it was fucking great, actually. Yeah, Maybe there's, a there's a lot of troubling parts of it. Um, Ryan, the title of this next movie is in, I think, French. Uh -huh. Taut va bien, our number 49 seed. Taut va bien. Do you know anything about this? I do know about this. Uh, this is Godard, still trying to rewrite cinema. Um, not as famously as maybe he did in the 60s, but still trying. This is a movie that is about movies. It's a... Uh, Basically, uh, six or nine rooms are stacked up on top of each other, but we like almost like the Hollywood Squares thing, and the camera okay. moves throughout the apartment complex um, in a very obviously Brechtian way. Like Godard took this thing where like now movies are like so naturalistic. We want you to like never forget you're fucking watching a Godard movie. Um, I like I've se I've seen clips in college. I've never watched the whole thing. Um, Live and let die. I don't know, man. It, the whole reason that we do the bracket is and not let Letterbox decide is so we don't have to do Harry Potter movies when we don't want them. I feel yes. like James Bond is the Harry Potter of the 70s. I feel like <laughs> we can get this guy gone. I do have to say the almost entire third act is a boat chase. That's pretty exciting and interesting. Same with um, the Godard movie, though. So. <laughs> so, Mike, which do you think should move on? You had me at boat chase. Live or let die. <laughs> 
Ryan. Uh, liver let die is what my doctor told me uh, will happen if I keep uh, drinking. Uh, no, I'm going uh, to Vabien. <laughs> to Vabien for me as well. The 49th seed moving on there. Next is our never our number 17 seed, um, a De Palma film called Sisters. Mike, you have sisters. Does that give you an inside track for talking about this movie? I think so. I think I'm the expert then. Uh, more, I've watched a couple of De Palma films and don't really like him. So <laughs> I would love to see his older work. Uh, and Ryan, this movie's De Palma as fuck, right? I, I think so, man. I don't, I'm not even totally sure what that means. Um <laughs> Does he I, know what it means? I, I think that the main thing when you say that is Hitchcock light. Um, and so this movie is definitely that. But I feel like this is a young man referencing because he's growing instead of an old man referencing because he doesn't know what else to do. <laughs> uh, I, like, this is, it's a very un-movie podcast-like thing to go against De Palma, like this mm-hmm. podcast has decided to do. Um, but I did watch Sisters recently, and it is a fucking time. It's uh, it, it it absolutely deserves its own show. All right, very interesting. Even Ryan, if it's going up against number forty eight seed Horror Express, which sounds like the scariest bus you could possibly take. <laughs> Greg, it's a train. It's a uh, it do- but it doesn't make every stop, Ryan. That's the thing. Like, say you have to get off on the next stop, you accidentally get on the Horror Express, but you thought you're getting on the Horror Loco, local. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's so annoying. Um, this is about a uh, scary train that has... <laughs> in- <laughs> I'm sold. It's moving on. Horror Express is our... <laughs> now, it's not even Cinema Scariest Train. That's what Mike brought up in the intro, which yeah. is the train that came the right out. The train. Sp- <laughs> um, but this is about... I think like they... It trans- Cinema Scariest Train. <laughs> Trans-Siberian uh, train. Orchestra. At, which is the scariest place to be on a train, right? Yes. Yeah, like if the train breaks down and you're just in the middle of Siberia, you're in Now you're in a gulag. <laughs> you're under arrest for being near the gulag. <laughs> um, but I, I think they're like they're uh, taking an alien, and there's aliens that come and want that alien back. Oh, hell oh. yeah. God, that sounds What's it going up against? Something dumb, probably? <laughs> Sisters, the De Palma movie that you hate. Oh. So what do you think should move on, Mike? You know, I hung out with my sisters recently, and they're pretty all right. I vote for Sisters. That's one vote for our 17 seed sisters. Ryan, what do you think? I hate this about me, but as I was watching Sisters to prep for this upcoming season, uh, I broke the movie down into taste bud segments. Like, oh, that's a question. Uh, Oh, that's a question. So it's Sisters for sure. (laughs) Because you've already done the work. I love it. My prep is done. Number 17 sisters moving on to the next That's too many sisters. We can agree with that, right, though? If you had 17 (laughs) sisters, ugh. I think you want one to three sisters max. After that, you start entering into a punked drug love situation, yes. and that's not good for anybody. <laughs> oh, God. My, I remember my PDL sitch. <laughs> you just got to break the window and move on. Break the window and move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next matchup, Mike, sees number eight seed, and that actually feels a little bit low for me, The Sting. What do you know about cinematic masterpiece and family favorite, The Sting? I know... It's okay. Apparently, it's not as old as I thought it was. I thought it was older, which yeah. makes me think maybe it takes place in the older times. Well, it does. That's a good one. It is Mr. Salad dressing himself, Paul Newman. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, and so cool. A very like Newman's always cool, but one of our coolest Newman performances. And uh, 
I'm sure he's up against somebody else who's sexy, but that, that's all I got. Robert like. Redford's also okay, in it. Okay, there we go. Oh my gosh, Ryan, are are you a fan of the Sting, or do you think it's a little a little overblown? I I, de- I both for sure. I uh, I think it's overblown in its length and it's overblown in its popularity. Um, I'm a big Butch Cassidy defender, and I feel like there's that's kind of two camps of which Redford uh, Newman movie do you like more? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who like have come out against. There's a desurgence of uh, Butch Cassidy saying that it's overlong and it's plotless and it's lame and it has that fucking it's a song. Western. And it a is, lot of Westerns are plotless. It, it is the worst song in movie history. The raindrops yes. keep falling in my head. But um, dun, Sting dun. is just so kind of basic to me. The Sting is basic. It, it, it is basic. And also the Sting the whole time is like, this is the best movie you've ever fucking seen, huh, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, it is going up against something that this show has been accused of having, which is A Touch of Class, our number 57 seed. <laughs> what is A Touch of Class? A Touch of Class, uh, I think, is on this list because it won an Oscar for Best Actress or Supporting oh, Actress. Oh, flush sound effect, dot wave. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Drop Pad. Uh, <laughs> drop Pad, maybe call a plumber and uh, get yourself fixed there. Drop Pad's uh, getting meta. <laughs> this is a rom-com. And the reason why I think this, it obviously doesn't have a chance here, but I'm glad we're bringing it up. Uh, it's a rom-com starring George Siegel, who played Maya's father on Just Shoot Me, and oh. the father of Kirstie Alley's baby in Look Who's Talking. And oh, shit. I love that guy. That guy's rad. 1973 was just a time where George Siegel could be the star of a rom-com. Good for yeah, him. dude. We haven't even Elliot Goulded it up yet tonight. Like, Sick that's, home oh. dad's getting it done. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, good for it. I'm sure it's... Uh, classy and touchy but yeah. good for it well what's it gonna be mike the sting or a touch of class yeah well i'll, I'll let's go the sting even though ryan referenced one of my favorite characters from one of my favorite shows growing up uh. maya's dad <laughs> from just shoot me he's the st- like he's his is the standout performance in that show probably uh ryan sting or a touch of class i i mean i does the sting automatically get its way to a show it was such a huge movie it was like Won the best picture that year. I think it just oh, is yeah. it, it's in a walk going to get in a, its own episode. And I and when we do the episode, I'm not gonna be a bitch about it, I promise. But this yeah. thing is moving on now. All right, very good. Yeah, it it it's it often thought of as like the perfect movie. And so I, I wonder, is that gonna make for a good show where we say like, Yeah, that was awesome, or is it gonna make for a bad show where we're like perfect movie, thumbs down. <laughs> we will see. Uh, up next, Mike, have you heard of this? It's number 25, Jesus Christ Superstar. What can you tell me about Jesus Christ, who is apparently a superstar? I don't know if this is a real line from this show, but in my head I have Jesus Christ Superstar. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> and I yeah, think it's got to be in there. It's in there, and it's probably Interlude Weber, and it's probably <laughs> hippy-dippy and crappy. That's Ryan, check got. his work. Donny Osmond played him in the revival uh, in the 90s, I believe. I do know that the movie starts with a bus full of actors going out to the desert to perform Jesus Christ Superstar, Ew. the movie in question. That's like, this. it, it probably was an original idea then, but it's so unoriginal yes. now. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, drama kids. <laughs> yeah, we do have to contend with the fact that some things that were fresh and original in 1973 will not seem as fresh and original to us 50 years later because we have lived through periods where people just paid homage, which meant that they watched the movie and then wrote down what happened in it and then put it in their movie. Uh, and so we've seen these things parodied before we've ever seen like the original, right? Have you guys seen Jeepers Creepers Semi-Star? 
<laughs> That's a Mr. Show skit with Jack Black as Jesus and David Cross. They can't say Jesus. I guess. Uh, or Jeepers. And they all drive out to the desert. That I think I saw this before I knew anything about Jesus Christ Superstar, which makes the skit so fucking crazy. <laughs> And if you watch the skit closely, you can see in the background a young Scott Ackerman tr- attempting to sing. Ooh. <laughs> it is uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and lyrics by Tim Rice. Oh, dream team. <laughs> that is going up against our number 40 seed, The Last of Sheila. Ryan, do you know anything about The Last of Sheila? Now, uh, I do know that this was Ryan Johnson's like main um, inspiration for his Knives Out series. But Greg, okay. you've, you've watched it, right? I, wa- I watched this very recently, and that is the best, like, that's the most informative thing you can say about it, is that uh, somebody watched this movie, Ryan Johnson specifically, watched this movie, and then went and made the two Knives Out movies. It is especially, uh, it, remind- it reminds me of the second one even more than the first one. Um, you know that there's going to be a mystery, and you know there's going to be hijinks, uh, and then you slowly watch it unfold, and you're trying to put it together along with the protagonist. It's very tight. It's very interesting. Um, there are some 73 is heck choices, uh, but it is a interesting, fun movie. And I think that it deserves a little bit more life than it has in the, in the culture. Um, and there is just one element of it that we, uh, that would kind of ruin to talk about it now, but is very interesting. So I hope it does get its own show because there are some things in 73 that people just wanted to hand wave away as like personal faults mm. that we don't quite hand wave away in the, in the same way <laughs> for the better, right? For the better. Yeah, I think, um, I guarantee it will be a more interesting viewing experience and I will guarantee it'll be a more interesting show than, uh, Jeepers Creepers Superstar. <laughs> but obviously Jesus Christ Superstar is a much bigger movie. So what do you think should move on Mike? Jesus Christ Superstar or the last of Sheila? Uh, yeah, you, Last of Sheila sounds like my favorite kind of genre because I got old in the last two I years. Promise, so, I promise yes. you it will be the, the gem of the season. If it somehow That's makes it. it through, it'll be the movie that you never heard of that you realize is actually one of your favorite movies. Ryan, what do you think? That was a ton of um, thumb on the scale, Greg. And so yes. I will use my opportunity to be like, it's our actual favorite kind of movie is Jesus Christ Superstar because it's a musical and it's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's true. He is both of those things. But since my thumb is already on the scale, might as well lift up one foot and lean down as hard as I can and say the last of Sheila is moving on to the next round. I'm so I I considered watching Jesus Christ Superstar so many times and then I didn't. And now I feel really good about that choice. (laughs) Up next, we have number nine seed Serpico. Mike, what do you know about Serpico? I think he wears a hat. Dude, one hat or several cool hats? And I think it's Pacino rocking a sexy beard. Great ass! Well, I think uh, <gasps> hardcore listeners of this show will know that it's definitely Pacino, because it's a movie I didn't watch until we were about to do the Al Pacino career <laughs> retrospective. <laughs> Woo! Man, so, that is the best career retrospective we've ever done, I believe. Yeah, uh, it really is. The only one with really staying power. I watched uh, that for this, and then uh, found out right when we started to record that we would not be doing an Al Pacino career retrospective. So uh, Serpico holds a real special place in my heart. It is, it's Sidney LeMay's movie before Dog Day, right, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit! So, yeah, it's, uh, it's gritty, it's seedy, it's New York, um, and it's uh, a movie that it's like, okay... 
audience, we're sorry. We have to tell you something. We don't know quite how to tell you this, so we just have to portray it on the screen. But cops are kind of corrupt. I know that sounds nuts for us to say, but what? they're kind of all on the take. And it's so it's kind of almost innocent and pure the way in which the movie slowly breaks you into the knowledge that cops might not always just be the good guys. We're going to get into this multiple times in this first round. But like that really was a crazy thing to say. And you were putting your career on the line. Oh, yeah. It's crazy that Ser- Serpico is such a beloved movie. And I think it's because Serpico is the hero and also a cop. So you could be like, mm. yeah, but I love that guy. If it was a non-cop, like in Coffee, who proves that cops are corrupt, that's a much different story. So Serpico's a Harry Bosch type. For those Serpico, of us in <laughs> Yes, to put this into Mike language. Serpico, because uh, they, they don't do the thing where they're like, well, it's a couple of bad apples. No, Serpico's the bad apple. There's right. one bad apple, and he's ruining the whole department because he just won't take money. And you'll, <laughs> like, if you're, if you're that bad apple because you've noticed that there's corruption going on and you have something to say about it, you'll fucking die. Like, you yeah, will dude. literally get killed. They don't have to shoot you. They just don't go and support you when you go do cop stuff. They're just like, oh, yeah, you go ahead. We'll be right with you. Do you guys think it's awesome that uh, he was so brave that they took that young cop named uh, Pico and the British royalty, they uh, knighted him? Sir Pico? Yeah. I do think that that's is awesome. <laughs> you think that's awesome. Ryan, because of that, let's <laughs> stay with you. Uh, what can you tell us about number 56 seed Ludwig? Uh, Ludwig is Big, a... I guess. Lucino Visconti movie. Now, this is somebody I have no experience with. Has always been on my like a major blind spot. He made The Leopard. He made Death in Venice. Um, this movie is less known. It's on here. It's he's a master. We should watch it, but like it just it's not that famous. I don't think it's that important. It's a biopic. It's four hours long. That's the way I swing it to Serpico is by telling <laughs> you guys it's four hours long. <laughs> Also, Serpico, big, important movie, uh, very big, important for 73, important for movies, uh, uh, you know, as a whole. So um, Uh, I will tell you this, though, that um, Ludwig is about the king of Bavaria from 1864 to 1886 and not Beethoven, the only Ludwig I thought existed. Whoa. And then there's the new one, Gorenson, Ludwig, who uh, does the score for movies and uh, is friends with Childish Gambino. Not a biopic of his either. Oh, man. (laughs) Did you guys see... Uh, Allison Brie and Danny Pudi carpool karaoke in Childish Gambino. No, that oh sounds God, cringe no. as fuck. Oh man, awful, to, awful to watch. Just awful. Whew. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like <laughs> Serpico is going to be moving on. Am I right about that, everybody? Yeah. Yes. All right, and we will take this opportunity to take what Mike might call the quickest of breaks, and we come back. We will do the second part of this first round of our bracket. We are back. Mike, our number 24 seed is The Friends of Eddie Coyle. What can you tell me about The Friends of Eddie Coyle? Uh, Should they do a podcast together? They're they're pretty good friends, but they mostly know each other through their mutual friend, Eddie Coyle, so they don't really know how they <laughs> feel about each other. And Eddie Coyle leaves, they're like, oh. oh. So what did you do again? It was Steve, right? <laughs> Bro, we've known each other for nine years. you got to know. Uh, Ryan, what do you know about The Friends of Eddie Coyle? Uh, another QT movie. Um, yeah. I think that the friends of Eddie Coyle, they'll be like at a restaurant with other friends, and Eddie Coyle will walk up and ask what that friend was eating, and then slam things on the table and just ask him if he wants to stay in the you friend club. You want 200 club. friends? Uh, gritty. Uh, <laughs> c- c- got like 70s noir. Uh, it's one of these crime movies that I-, I really like, because rather than being like about mob bosses, 
it's about the real small time crooks mm. trying to make it um and about how tough that is and and how much it breaks them down um and it just very kind of like small but very dramatic movie i i liked it quite a bit i really enjoyed it and recommend it highly wikipedia it's says against- it's uh, an ironic title because eddie coyle has no friends <gasps> yeah that's kind of the whole thing yeah they're they're all just basically they're all one second away from pointing guns at each other <laughs> and one it? of his non-friends is uh ray romano ray romano was it ray barone's dad yeah sitcom dad oh dude. really <laughs> yeah no it is young frankenstein himself <laughs> yep <laughs> uh and that is going up against uh, our number 41 seed, La Grande Booth. It is honesty time, folks. You two and listeners, I don't know what the fuck this movie is. I don't know why it's on here. I have never heard of it. Uh, the director is uh, not a famous person. Uh, it has Marcello Mastriani, which is, that's a star from this time, an Italian star. But, like, I don't know what the fuck this is. All I know is it's got a killer poster and it's about four friends who are like betting who can eat themselves to death first. Yes, they're like that's their plan, right? They're gonna go eat themselves. The original to death. podcast. No, what is that? That reminds me. Of, what's the Mads Mikkelsen movie from a couple years ago? Where it's that one where they're drunk all the time? Yeah, oh, they, yeah. they're gonna stay drunk for the rest of their life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I I know what I know about this movie. It's like a uh, Buñuel light, mm. right? Yeah, like it's like, uh, uh, exterminating the angel light. Right, we're going to parody society by uh, with absurdity and blah blah blah. It sounds like Sallow to me, like not as yeah. hardcore or whatever, but like the you know the four guys getting together to indulge to death just like has a very Sallow vibe. If, it doesn't sound fun. If you're looking at the poster, um, which is like drawn, sort of like a picture, but a photo, but it's like drawn on top of a photo. Is that witches bending over? Are those her nipples? <laughs> we can answer that later. That's unknown, funny. unknown. We may never know. Uh, this Mike. is this is a slammy D, Greg. Yeah, right, Mike. What do you think? Uh, the first one, Friends. Yeah, <laughs> Friends of Eddie Coyle. Um, moving on. Up next, number four seed, Mike. What do you know about Don't Look Now? So little, Greg. Oh, it's so little. I'm so excited for this. I don't know Dude, anything about it, and it's our awesome. number four seed. It. Uh, what do you think about movies set in Venice, Mike? That, that, that's probably cool. What do you think about movies that show us that precognition is really a, a kind of a trap? Whoa. Is it like Minority Report in 1973? I don't want to say anything more about it. It's like what it would be like to uh, not know if you're having a mental breakdown or if you are able to divine the future. Um, it's about how creepy Venice is. Uh, it's got uh, Donald Sutherland uh, mm. just absolutely Love him. killing it. Um, it has a sex scene, which is alleged to be actual, uh, penetration. So, so even though, anything. even though the devil and Miss Jones is gone, let's, we're, let's, yeah. we're going to get some penetration moving on in this bracket. Thank God for 1973. It, it's the kind of movie that as soon as you finish watching, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to start that up again. Cause now that I know, like now that I've seen the last piece fall into place, mm. I want to watch it all again, knowing what's going on. But it and specifically then, told you to yeah. not look now and you're just doing it. <laughs> It is so awesome. It's so fun. It's a little scary. It's 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 Greg scary. It's like scary <laughs> enough to where I'm like, ooh, I'm getting a thrill. So it's like riding the haunted so mansion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's 999 spooks. At the end of the movie, uh, uh, Greg has still has a glass screen TV, and it looked like one of the characters was sitting <laughs> on the couch with him. Uh, I don't want to build this movie too much, but uh, if I'm in Vegas right now, this is the winner. This is the winner of the year. 
Uh, it's so good. This is the only way Donald Sutherland, somebody who looks like Donald Sutherland, could ever hook up with somebody who looks like Julie Christie. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I wonder whose choice it was to have the full penetrative <laughs> sex in that scene. <laughs> uh, it is going up against number 61 seed, Jonathan Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Now, Ryan, ha- what, have you guys ever here? heard these three words together? Is it? No, it's no. it doesn't sa- it doesn't make sense as a title. Is it what's going on here? Is it this a seagull named Jonathan Livingston? Okay, so uh, I I remember my mom having this book, and it's like the story of and it's not really like a novel per se, but it's the story of this uh, seagull who like gets kicked out of its flock and then flies around and it's like, what should I do with my life? And they were like, oh, we have to turn this fifty page, two hundred word okay dude. book into a movie. And so it's not animated. It, they f- they're filming seagulls and having people Jesus voice Christ. over these seagulls. Oh, so that's uh, going to be fun. Be terrible. Uh, get it the fuck out of it. And it's going okay, up against yeah. what I believe to be the best movie of 1973. Yeah, okay. Don't look now. It moves on. <laughs> I vote for the seagull movie. No, Mike. Get out of here. <laughs> up next, Mike, number 29 seed from your favorite director, a little movie called Sleeper. What do you know about Sleeper, Mike? I know... That I love sleeping. And so I will probably really relate to the protagonist. And who is my favorite director again, Greg? Uh, Woody Allen. Oh! Glad Woody I said Allen. I would relate to the protagonist, who was almost <laughs> always just Woody Allen. Cool. cool, cool 73 cool, cool. has so many futurist movies that it would kind of like make sense to watch a parody about it. But I don't know. Is this podcast just like not going to do Woody Allen, do you think, Ryan? I feel like that I have voted his movies on in the past, and you guys have not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing all the details of what he's purported to have done to his own daughter, it's like very hard to like just put that away, compartmentalize it. I, I don't know. Like We've never had a Roman Polanski movie, right? And Roman Polanski doesn't put himself... As the starring role, you can almost forget it's a Roman Polanski movie. I mean, Roman Polanski. Like, there's like, one uh, really uh, tiny how you weird gotta guy know in that, it. Uh, maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know who made this movie. Uh, Roman Polanski directed what many people would say is the best movie of 2002, and with 16 movies for the first time in this show's history, and with bonus episodes, we did not do The Pianist. There you go. There you go. It is go- Sleeper is going up against Ryan, number 36 seed. Which feels low in a one way, the way we were. Yeah, it, Ryan, are we going to have to watch the way we were? It does feel low because of, but I, I mean, I think that like I remember being a kid and thinking that this was a big deal movie because there was still remnants of '73 when I was a kid. Uh, nobody has talked. This is the first time anybody has talked about this movie in a solid 12, 13 years. Um, it was a huge hit. Uh, Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. Uh, oh. Romance, like not even a rom com. If you're gonna have a rom. Have some calm, so we can like. Yeah, but this is just straight up romance. Uh, the, uh, it's in front of or during the Hollywood blacklist, which plays an important part of in the movie. Uh, Ooh, that could be interesting. But this movie is corn. It's really well made. I think it's Sidney Pollack. Yes, who uh, is one of our favorite filmmakers. We always remember oh, yeah. as the Doctor from Eyes Wide Shut. Um, <laughs> but I would. I this this one is like an interesting moment in uh, movie of the year bracket because there's there's one movie here that's very interesting and there's one movie here that doesn't have as far as we know uh sex criminals yeah, i mean it probably does it was the 70s yeah. uh i know nothing about sleeper this is a woody allen movie i've never even heard of 
This is uh, in my top three. If I were to have a top three, I obviously don't because he's gross. Yeah. I grew up on Woody Allen movies, and this was like one of the funniest, one of the funniest ones. And it would be so interesting in this in this season. What do you think, Mike? I'm gonna vote for the way we were. Ryan, I'm gonna go sleeper. Oh dear, I'm gonna say the way we were. Um, I just, I don't know. We've not done the Woody Allen thing that yet, and it just feels like he's just so icky and awful. Uh. Our next matchup is number 13 seed, Enter the Dragon. Mike, what oh, do you know about Enter fuck, the Dragon? yeah. I know it's Bruce Lee. I know I have been neglectful because I've never seen it. And I bet it will become one of my favorite movies. Let's do it. Isn't that the best part about movies is not to enjoy the ones you have seen, but to feel bad about the ones you've missed? <laughs> that, that's the way I live my life, brother. <laughs> uh, Enter the Dragon is like if um, coolness like crystallized like the concept crystallized into a person and that person was bruce lee he is such a badass in this movie and he knows it and i'm convinced that this movie in particular is what made quentin tarantino so upset with him yeah even though that brad pitt could kick the shit out of him you still think he's cool (laughs) i feel like the way he carries himself in this movie is what made quentin tarantino so upset just a character bro uh ryan it is going to be going up against uh the legend of hell What's the rest of this? House. The Legend of, the Legend of Hell House. It's Ooh. a haunted house movie. Uh, a bunch of people were like, this house is haunted. Should we stay in it for a couple of days? Of course we should. It's a goddamn movie. I'm not movie. afraid of the Hell House. I ain't afraid of no house. Um, I It has Roddy McDowell, who um, is in all of the horror movies, all of the apes movies. Uh, he was in uh, Night uh, Fright Night from a movie that we covered when we did 1985. Uh, parodying himself from this era. That's <laughs> that's the best I can say as far as like why it's important. Look, I'll watch it on my own and let you guys know what's up. Yeah, it sounds like Enter the Dragon, right, gentlemen? Can I ask you guys a question, though? Uh, Rod, Roddy McDowell, isn't a dowel kind of like a rod? Yeah. yeah. Is that weird? So, Stick McStick over here. <laughs> Did he let the internet name him? <laughs> sounds like Enter the Dragon is moving on. Number 20, the French Guiana... Prison movie, Papillon. Mike, what do you know about the French Guiana prison movie, Papillon? Uh, I know that it is a French Guiana movie about a prison. Uh, it's, and it's set in named, French Guiana, I should say. It's well, named after what I used to call my mother's dad. My Papillon? Papillon. That's beautiful. Wait, it's the French word for uh, Guiana prison, right? And that's what you called? <laughs> that's what he said to be called. Mike, we keep talking about uh, Redford and Newman. Yes. Is there two other stars you want to see in a movie? Fucking go at it. Uh, Not like making out, but just be in a movie together. Rogan and Franco, I guess? <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan and uh, Franco. Who was that dictator, Franco? What if, I, what if I could get you, Mike? What if I could get you Steve McQueen, the king of cool? The, uh, the original Steve McQueen. Not the, not the director of... Oh, no, not yeah. the small axe guy. Uh, the, with the blue eyes of a winter crystal. And then he was paired okay, with. Okay, you know how I feel about a Winter Crystal in this show. Dustin Hoffman. Oh shit! First of all, do those two names sound like the names that would be in the same movie? Even they feel like they should be decades apart in yes. Hollywood cinema. That's crazy. I feel like this podcast is me and McQueen uh, talking to two Hoffmans, right? <laughs> Are we insulted or complimented here, Greg? 
uh, in this context, we are insulted. Oh, <laughs> fuck you then. Oh, <laughs> oh, just keeping the podcast spicy. I love this. <laughs> Ryan, it is going up against our number 45 seed, Theater of Blood. Now, okay, boss name. Eventually, we're going to have to choose one of these generically named horror movies to move on. Uh, I Papillon it was a very popular movie. It's a good movie. Greg, did you watch it? Yeah, it's the tone of your voice is correct. Like there are a lot of parts of it that are really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of weird choices. There's uncomfortable parts, and it's a lot of it is like some like it's about prison, right? And so a lot of it you just have to like kind of endure, and then you hope at the end that you come out like a better person. But for a lot of it, you're just kind of like, oh, this is this is rough. But it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Theater of Blood stars Vincent Price. Right. And, and its tagline is its curtains for his critics. Nah. <laughs> so Vincent Price is a Shakespearean actor who I guess isn't good. All the critics say that he's terrible. He commits suicide, but it's a failed attempt. He survives. And then like three years later, he comes back and uh, systematically kills all the critics who wrote him up poorly. It's like Saw. It's a lot like Saw. But I mean, well, Papillon's no small shakes. Yeah, interesting movie. Uh, what do you think it's gonna be, Mike Papillon, the 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 film or Theater of Blood, the Ooh. more fun sounding one? Papillon, Ryan. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think ultimately that's the way to go. Papillon. One. All right, our next one, number five seed, Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye. Shut up. <laughs> I love. Okay. Oh wait, throw to Albert. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to ask about this, Greg? <laughs> what what makes you excited, Mike, about the idea of watching The Long Goodbye? Oh, this is like probably in my top five favorite movies. Yeah. Of movies. What, specifically, what about uh, it do you like so much? He's such a weird, shaggy, non-sexual <laughs> sex symbol. This movie is just being like, I don't know. Is the case over here? No, that's a cat. He just mumbles know. through the entire movie. Is the movie? case over here? I don't like It's I <laughs> love this shit. <laughs> It's going up against uh, Ryan, our number sixty seed, American classic Tom Sawyer. Uh, all right. So <laughs> this this movie was nominated for a few Academy Awards. Uh, this movie, unlike uh, Olivia Hussey in Romeo and Juliet, what an unfortunate last name, especially now that we know what was done to her. Seriously. Um, nobody's ever seen this in school. Nobody's ever. This movie has not been talked about ever. I don't like. I don't no. know what it was nominated. I know it was nominated for some Oscars. Don't know what best overalls. Who gives a shit? Best uh, fence painting. Ben, best best frog racing. Uh, I do know that Jodie Foster is Becky Thatcher. Jodie Foster is Becky Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> this summer, Sawyer it up. But no, Bogabai is. That, that's yeah. another Vegas odds-on favorite for taking this whole thing. Down. Yeah, I, I don't even, think we should waste. I was too excited to talk about how he mumbles and talks to cats. That it's it's Altman. So yes, we we love Altman in this house. Yeah, it, it and it and it is uh, doing like a noir detective story mm. set in '73. It's just it's doing so many interesting things. And Tom Sawyer has never interested anyone who's not a child <laughs> or a racist like ever. Or uh, the band Rush. <laughs> but isn't that song about <laughs> how Tom Sawyer is a piece of shit? His name's Tom Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next matchup, Mike, hmm. number 28, the sequel to Dirty Harry, a movie called Magnum Force. Do you know anything about Magnum Force? Uh, I know Dirty Harry is about- That's how Mike describes his mom's vagina. Grouchy white oh, dude geez. being like, I wish I could just grab a gun and shoot who's pissing me off. So I guess there's more of that. We're, yeah, it, uh, I don't feel like we're at Clint Eastwood house. <laughs> 
I feel like Mike is definitely not living in a Clint Eastwood house. I that was my impression of it too. I just happened to watch it this morning, and I was a little bit surprised by the like the space it carves out for itself in between the like cops should be roving bands of murderers and we should have no civilian oversight over the cops and we should just let them do what they want. There's a lot of moments where you're just like, nah, dirty Harry, don't do that. You're <laughs> shooting at, you're shooting right over the heads of innocent people. Uh, and then yet by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, is this actually kind of against police oh, violence? So uh, I want, not t- I want this show. I want this movie to be an episode of our podcast so bad because I think that it's seen so many things and it's impossible to say what's on purpose and what's on accident. Mm. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, at the end of it, I'm like, okay, what is your moral compass Even- movie? Because it's like, as long as Clint Eastwood is the guy shooting people with impunity, then we're okay with it because we trust Clint Eastwood. But, he- but when it's other people, we feel uncomfortable. It's a, it's a lot like a Punisher movie in that like, well, no, yes. nobody else should do what I do. I got to do it, but nobody else should. Uh, I take the sin into myself for everybody. But like, it, but it also paints different types of crime and criminals against each other. Like, this is good crime. This is bad. Or this is like livable crime this is not livable crime this is uh this crime's worse because of the skin color of the person who committed the crime it's a fucking crazy movie dirty harry says near the end of this movie he says yeah i hate this system too but until we got one a better one to replace it this is the one i'm gonna back and it's like oh shit so wait is he an iconoclast or not right like is he against the system or not like and i could i could totally see how like you could see, you could hear about all this and then watch it and have all these thoughts and be like, therefore, terrible. Therefore, it's a mm. bullshit movie. But so many things to talk about. And it's going up against Ryan number 37, The Day of the Jackal, our second day of the animal movie. Now, I'm going to throw this back to you, Greg, because I have only seen The Jackal, the Bruce Willis, <laughs> Richard Gere movie. I don't even remember. And it's not totally different i don't think those are related but it's not it's not totally different uh it this is a this is one of the best movies on this list and mike it's the type of movie i think you would really really love um it's you watch this assassin you see him the oh entire shit movie, greg knows me uh, <laughs> and you see him making his plans and then you watch the forces that are arrayed against him trying to keep him from committing this crime and you watch them both move through this criminal this international criminal underworld and near the end of it you're like i don't know who i have more respect for i don't know where i fall in this i don't know what i'm supposed to do with all this i don't know who this jackal guy is uh it is such an interesting profound movie and mike i think it is 100 percent right up your alley uh what i love is uh this is the kind of show greg is when you say this is up my alley you're gonna say something that i will actually like and is character base and ryan's like it's up your alley it's like it's because it's dumb and you're dumb it's so. stupid people like you. <laughs> uh this oh, cool. sounds... so mike you're into so many types of assassination you're also into character assassination i appreciate <laughs> yeah. that that's my favorite kind that's actually what got me to assassination ryan you get in a lot less trouble for uh, that one yeah this sounds awesome i've recently watched the first three john wicks on the airplanes as they were meant <laughs> to be watched and it sounds a lot like a 73 version of that that's my vote it- this is this is a very very tough one. So you're voting for Day of the Jackal, Mike? Yes, I've forgotten what the other one was. That's Magnum how... Force. Oh, Ryan, what okay. do you think should move on? Magnum Force or Day of the Jackal? I want all listeners, if like, and I hope that you do, go along with us and watch all of the movies that we do, uh, along with us. But I want you to know that if you're fresh off the first three John Wicks, 
the pacing of these movies is going to be very, very different. Like you have sure. to sort of prepare. Where even the most Hollywood studio, let's get them in, let's get butts and seats action movie, is potentially one of the most boring movies you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> yeah, the action in action movies at this time, it comes in like in the third act. Right. And then it's, it's, they kind of get boring in the other direction, which is the almost the entire third act is action. And you're like, well, could this have been balanced a little bit better? <laughs> But, Ryan, what do you say is going to move on? I think this is unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate matchup, but I can't pick Magnum Force because I think it will make a good show over the Day of the Jackal, which I believe to be a much better, more important movie. So, And I think we'll make a good show. I mean, it, it, it is about, like, sort of the after effects of um, colonialism. It's about, um, like, uh, France having to reckon with its colonialist past. Uh, and that's something France is doing right now. So I think that, that it's weirdly connected into our um, into our modern times. Good. D- Dale Jackal moving on. Number 12 seed, Mike, school me on cries and whispers. Well, Greg, late at night when the lights are off, there's two ways to communicate. You can uh-huh. either communicate via cries or via whispers. Do you want to hear something fucked up, Greg? Mike, I do. Mike and I have done a pod about this movie. And Is that and true? It's a long time ago, but we have done it, and he has no idea what we're talking about right now. <laughs> Did I like it? How, how oh, good yeah. is your memory? It's uh, No, you were bowled over. Uh, really? It, it's it, it, it's pretty undeniable. Uh, again, like you got to set yourself. It is, and I, I wanted to see how many of you know the masters we could get in here. You know, Godard mm-hmm. moved on, which is pretty cool. Um, this is Bergman. Pretty cool, Godard. <laughs> Uh, it would be awesome to have Bergman move on, but this is like one of the best movies ever made. Should it move on, Ryan, even over number 53 seed, Charlotte Webb? Do you want to throw to Mike for that one? <laughs> now, Mike, this movie features some pig. I love trash. Does that answer your question, Greg? <laughs> Templeton's Ode to Garbage and Carnival Garbage <laughs> is one of my favorite songs and the first time I was truly seen on screen. Come into Oscar's yeah. Corner and try to take it over. Like, Oscar is the premier children's trash fan. <laughs> Not if Templeton's well, What do you think should move on, Mike? Do you love uh, trash enough to move on a trashy movie over one of our greatest? It's hard because I know it's probably not a good movie. It's probably sucks because it's some pig versus a movie i cannot remember even though now i'm staring at the poster and the description that ryan says (laughs) it bowled me over but you know what i'm gonna have to go with ryan's description of past me and vote for cries and whispers i was so hoping that you would go charlotte's web and then greg would throw a fucking (laughs) wrench in the gears part of part of being ryan's friend is he will actually remember things about you that you don't remember yourself and for some of them you just gotta go with it oh try being ryan's wife that's (laughs) fucking terrible mike did try that (laughs) i've tried for years (laughs) pretty pretty soundly mike number 21 seed the last detail Mm. have you heard of uh the last detail i just some people focus on the first detail which is actually the least important and i like to focus this is if i say jack nicholson in a little sailor hat do you at least like picture the poster i can picture the i can picture screenshots (laughs) of it and i'm sold (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got a little cigar ryan can you help sell us on this movie a little bit yeah so um jack nicholson and another actor who i'm sure is very famous and has a name um they have to take young pre-qanon randy quaid to prison uh yeah. they have to get him across the country i don't know if it's east to west or north to, i think it's north to south have to get him across the country and it's just their adventures and it is 
Uh, phenomenal. I, I watched it because I was a little bit concerned about its seating because I thought this was like a huge movie that everyone knew and loved. I'm surprised to see it down oh, at 21 based on my paltry research. And it's Hal Ashby. It's Hal Ashby. Yeah. And uh, Mike, the name of the third lead, if you're Otis, uh, Otis Young, Otis Young, uh, the three of them together, it, like I feel like, uh, especially doing, we did uh, Cuckoo's Nest a couple seasons ago, and there's this thing that you can get about Jack Nicholson, where like, all right, I wasn't around for the heyday, and I get it. He's like kind of crazy, kind of charming, but then also crazy. And in this cool but rude, cool but rude. He's a Raphael a of his generation. Um, but I think in this, like, he shows like that's just the starting point with all of his characters. And what happens throughout the movie is the main takeaway. Uh, I I hope this movie moves on all the way to like. Even if Ryan, even if it's going and sometimes the seating is just is cruel. So it's going against Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Do you still feel that way, knowing that it's going up against Godzilla and the Smog Monster? Greg, to me, this seems like a slam dunk, but unfortunately, there's a mic on this show who can like just absolutely take this down. Like you're not a big Godzilla fan, but you love the Smog Monster. Is that correct? It's uh, if you can't beat him, join him. So long time ago, I said fuck Captain Planet. I'm the side of the Smog Monster. And Mike, you're wearing a Smog Monster jersey right now. Yeah, he's my favorite. Quick- Quick note on Captain Planet. He was going to bring pollution down to zero, and we just had our three hottest days in recorded history back to back to back. I just wondered, uh, where are we on that pollution down to zero thing? He, he failed, and he now failed. I think it might be because I voted He's against dead, him. He's dead, right? I mean, that guy's fucking dead. He died of smog disease. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say the last detail moves on. Uh, maybe if, if friend of the show Taylor were here, we'd get a vote for or some knowledge about the smog monster. Uh up next is number two seed, and I say that shaking my fists at the heavens. Uh, this is one of the only movies I saw for my pre-watch party that, like, I fucking hated. Uh, <laughs> and it's called The Holy Mountain. It's by, uh, how do you say his name, Ryan? Jodorowsky? Uh, Jodorowsky. Shit. Uh, now I can't remember. Yeah, Jodorowsky. The guy who did direct Dune. Jodorowsky. I shouldn't have said it wrong right before asking you how to say it. <laughs> Way to infect him. Um, God. Mike, do you know anything about The Holy Mountain? Uh, I know that you guys hate it. <laughs> Wait, do you hate it, Ryan? No. Or only I hate it. Oh. No, Ooh, no, no, no. I hate it. This is a great thing. Uh, Greg yeah, hated it. it so much that I didn't remember anything Ryan said about it and assumed. They I have to say, it. I only saw it one time, and I could not, I couldn't understand it. Like, uh, not like language issues. Like, I did not understand what I was looking at. Mm. It is like the images in it are very powerful, but I felt like they were not connected in a way that helped me understand what was going on. It is about how there are nine robed individuals who live far away and make decisions for everybody and how we should go and not let them just make decisions for us anymore uh, because they are too disconnected from us. And I don't know if you guys feel any sort of connection. Do they have lifetime terms? They have lifetime terms, Ryan. Um, That's, that's punishing. That's, that's terrible. Ryan, sell us on the Holy Mountain. Oh, I haven't seen it. Um, I have seen uh, documentaries about it. It was uh, My main connection to Jodorowsky is Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, and so there's a lot of clips in it from that. Seemed interesting. You know, maybe a tableau director, maybe a guy who likes to set up shots more than tell a story. Maybe the guy, the kind of guy who like lets his, uh, I don't know, analogies overrun his movie. Mm. Um 
It's just that's the thing. I, I I felt like you were supposed to watch the movie with like a notebook that he provided you <laughs> that said this is what this means, this is what this means, and not like so many movies we don't quite know what they mean, and they engender in us these discussions where we're like maybe it could mean this, maybe it could mean this. For some reason, I think the Holy Mountain. I think he would say he would listen to our discussions and he would say no. This is exactly what I meant by this. This is exactly what I meant by That's this. That's not very fun, exactly. Alejandro. It feels like an allegory. Like 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 we're supposed to to track down his exact meanings rather than we are supposed to read into this text potential meanings. Or it just felt so inscrutable. And maybe it's because I only saw it once and it's not the kind of movie you can necessarily judge having only seen it once, but I fucking hated it. <laughs> I think you could screwed it. Ryan, it's going up against number 63 seed, Bang the Drum Slowly. Yeah, and this is like, this is mostly famous for uh, introducing a lot of the world to Robert De Niro. Uh, this is a, th- th- I think a lot of these movies are of mice and men stories in 1973. Yes. This seems, yes. This seems like one, <laughs> uh, not a road movie per se, but like a guy who's smart and a guy who's less and their relationship and i'm sure there's some death and i'm sure there's some sadness but this to me like it just feels like yet another sexless porno like it's a playwright director and the way that it's shot it just is so like man so you guys had no money you guys had literally zero dollars yeah it it's kind of schmaltzy um i feel like it's not a very tight movie so much of the movie is dedicated to them trying to trick the team into not knowing how sick he is. Um, and that just seems to like weigh down the movie. And then it, 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 it just Who's seems kind of te- What's the team? So uh, the, it, it's Yankees? two guys who are on the New York... No, Ryan, not the Yankees. They're the New York Monarchs because they didn't have the right to to be like anything associated it with... It wasn't the uh, Los Angeles Sharks? It, with the MLB. What's interesting is they wear the Yankees uniforms so that they could actually film at a game, but they are like, so they're wearing the pinstripes. Their logo is basically the Yankees logo, but they are very much the Monarchs and they don't play against any other MLB teams. And it's supposed to be a pro league, but it's, it's the seventies. But even with that, it's like, guys are like, should I quit this league and like go paint houses? <laughs> like go paint houses. That's a different Robert houses. De Niro movie. That's a different Robert De Niro. Movie. <laughs> oh, uh, we all know things. <laughs> you know what? Not to use a Bill Simmons term, but I uh, I think there was a market correction, and this movie was pushed out of the canon by Brian's song. If there's going to be like a two dudes movie, sports movie where dudes watch it and weep, Brian's song is now that movie. Not bang the drum slowly. Uh. Not- also, it's about baseball, but if you're a fan of baseball, it doesn't feel like baseball to you. Like, it feels like baseball is a backdrop more than, like, eh, it's a baseball movie. It's, it's no you're selling though. me on it, then. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's up Mike's alley. <laughs> so, Mike, he's stupid. should it be number number two seed Holy Mountain or number 63 seed Bang the Drum Slowly? Uh, probably number two seed Holy Mountain. And not to use a Bill Simmons term, but they should reboot Cheers. <laughs> put it... Riot. Uh, put it... Set cheers in the Holy Mountain. Now the Holy Mountain has a bar, right? Boom. And Alejandro walks in and everybody's like, Alejandro! Abba is in the bar, apparently. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain is moving on. And so are we. That is the end of our intro part one show. We've got half of our bracket seated. We're going to do the rest of that. And then the next round on our next episode... So stick around, and hey, in the meantime, keep watching them movies.